it's one thing to have an idea it's another thing for you to turn that idea into a real solution that helps you know a good number of people now it's another thing for you to take that idea to a point where it can actually reach out to millions and millions of people that is what we're going to be learning about in today's story today we're going to be learning about how a random decision to help a cousin with a math homework led to a led the startup founder to build a free online teaching platform that reaches over a hundred million users yearly like think about that a hundred million users like i feel like he just needs to meditate on that for like a while because that is the size of a nation a <laughs> hundred million users i mean nigeria where you know 200 thereabouts so half of that is what this platform you know it, this that's that's incredible that's incredible so this platform if you can already guess it i mean some of you are already having a couple of thoughts in your head but really this platform is called Khan academy yes Khan academy today we're going to be learning about how sal khan the sort of founder created Khan academy all right let's get straight into it okay so before i go on talking about Khan academy i just want to say that if you haven't read the past episodes or startup stories with cynthia like you're going to be missing out a lot because all the stories i've done in the past i will not be doing them again so for you to get like a glimpse of how we do things you you know just head over to medium and search for startup stories with cynthia or just search for startup stories with cynthia on google and you'll be able to read lots and lots of articles i mean i've done stories on linda.com i've done stories on calendy on ben and jerry's on chicken salad chick i mean there's a lot of them so binge on that all right okay so let's now talk about Khan Academy. Um, Khan Academy, like, I remember when I first interacted with Khan Academy, it was, you know, many years ago in school, I was trying to get my hands on tech, right? Learning about HTML and CSS, right? Khan Academy was always the place to go to. And I heard about that name, like, more times, you know, that number, than I could number. The second time I remember interacting with Khan Academy was my little brother, he needed you know like a platform where he could learn you know you know stuff outside what he learned from school and he loves and still loves like he loved the platform and he still loves the platform so Khan Academy has had a direct impact on me as a person and it has literally fundamentally like changed the way we learn I mean think about it we no longer have to interact with physical books to be able to learn a couple of things and Khan Academy started in a time where this kind I mean now it's very common you know but then when it started it was not a common idea I mean this company unlike every other company that you know is into learning this company actually does this for free like free learning I mean LinkedIn learning is a platform but Khan Academy is doing this completely for free so like you could literally go to the platform and learn anything that they offer for free and they teach a lot of things 
you know you, you begin to ask your question a question like you know questions like you know how am i going to sustain myself as a business i mean doing this for free but do you know that this was a decision that he made from the beginning that this company was going to be an ngo all right so let me not get <laughs> too fast let's start from the beginning <laughs> i mean how did Khan get into this space you know like we always do we always go back in time so Khan actually grew up in metairie in louisiana of the united states his mother is indian and his father is from bangladesh right and early on when he was about two years old when he was really young his the family actually got separated and the marriage ended while he was that young so he knew his father like only once and you know at about 13 years old he met his father in one evening um, dinner and the next year his father died so he literally met his father like once like literally but he was raised by his single mom um he also spent like a couple of times living with his young uncles that were like father figures to him or like older siblings they actually inspired him to like live beyond the simple prudent immigrant life because i mean if you think about it you are leaving like your country you go to like another man's land uh, with a different language and you like need to adjust and so there's always this idea of like prudency like just get a good job and survive and just leave get your children to the best schools you know just very simple prudent life of like immigrants but these guys were they really embraced the new orleans culture and he actually experienced a very fun childhood even though it was quite different right in terms of like what he his mother did at that time his mother was a cashier um she she spent some time being a cashier in a couple of convenience stores so when you say convenience stores for those in in so convenience stores can also mean like shopping malls so like when your mother is a cashier in a shopping mall he had a pretty rough childhood right um she also had a job of like taking out change from a vending machine he actually thought this was like a superpower um job but little did he know that this was quite a very low job and this is what the things that she had to get involved with so that she could actually survive and take care of her children right and she remarried right she remarried and her and her stepdad and his stepdad actually in this case this is Salkan's stepdad um opened a convenience store so they had their own convenience store or a supermarket or a shopping i wouldn't say a shopping mall something really really small right and it was called seven old convenience store so i mean he he really literally spent most of his childhood being like the only brown kid in his class right so um you know if you think about that time where things were a bit intense in terms of like racism but he didn't feel like a a lot of it from his school thankfully his school like was just giving the right environment but i mean racism talks were out there basically trying to say okay you are not a nigger in a sense you know you're not black and you're not white you're like in the middle so but thankfully he's you know his school made made it um, easy um to to like 
not feel different in this class even though he was the only one that was brown so um he had a pretty interesting um childhood especially given the fact that his mother instilled like good discipline into him but like he didn't have the best of resources like material resources he he wasn't rich and he wasn't even in the middle class right it was so bad that uh, you know one time they went for shopping and you know he was throwing tantrums trying to get like a game box of some sort you know around eight years old and his mother literally broke down to him and said like don't you know that we don't have money so um things were really hard like he had a really rough childhood and and i'm going you know through this so that you know for anyone out out there who has who has had like a really rough childhood and maybe your country going currently going through something really tough and you feel like that's the end of the world well if this guy who had a really tough childhood could like scale through all of that and did not let that whole experience um make him you know look down on himself or look down on the world or just give up instead he used that to build a really incredible power. i don't think yes i don't think like i think anything is possible stories like this actually show to you that anything is possible no one is too far from like a change of story as far as you have like the right values so yeah that was um his early childhood and this actually shaped him and this hardship actually you know shaped him and um his values like till today all right so let's let's talk about what happened like post like during his school and then when he he went on into like college stay with me all right so you stayed with me to this point congratulations all right so let's get into more and more of his story you know it's really important to understand how startup founders actually like you know grew up to become what they are today i'm moving beyond it's moving beyond just tech crunch news to really understand like the journey that way you'll be able to like relate to these stories and you can take a lesson or two from it all right so let's continue so around ninth grade he um that's Sao khan made a decision to be very serious with school right and so he was was very serious with school i mean he had this band this metal band but he was also part of like different academic you know activities like quizzes and quiz balls and so he had his academic friends and he also had his metal band friends and he saw the difference between like these two um, um circles you know the friend the academic guys were succeeding and excelling and the metal band guys were you know going into drugs and having like a really it, it didn't look like they were going to have like a very good future and he made a decision there on that he doesn't want to get into trouble as these guys were getting into trouble and he decided to just focus on his academics and like really excel in it and that made him like very very serious with school um another very inspiring moment was his sister actually because if you think about these guys these guys were really they came from like a really um poor childhood like compared to their circle and he noticed that his sister was aiming for like really good schools and he was like i mean how can you be aiming for such schools how much is our like how much is mom even making right from education like from from her work and you're aiming for schools like brown university right and and she told him that you know there are plans like financial aid that make it like possible for you to still aim for those schools and then you get to like 
take up loans and pay and and so that gave him like a like a very good let's say motivation to like think beyond just his um inner circle so seeing what his sister was doing actually inspired him also his mom um you know this vibe i think this is also common with african parents where they were like oh see this person does this person have two heads you know if this person can do it then you can so that negative positive peer pressure like <laughs> so it's negative because you know the net- negative effect but it's also positive because it makes you you know see that you can you can aim for higher things and that was literally what the kind of pressure that his mom was always putting on him as well you know comparing him with other um south asian friends as well and that actually inspired him to aim for um higher and bigger schools and he applied to MIT and you all know you know what kind of a school that is that's like one of the best in the world and he got in right he got in and he felt too much at home because he could see how people loved science like he could literally it was like a new world for him and science felt like magic and you know guys like maybe Harry Potter that's how it felt like for him and so he he got a degree in computer science and he was really inspired by the environment he was very productive as well and just around like graduation and he's that's like senior year there about he was thinking about okay what am i going to do with my education and things like that and and he got on a call with someone and this was quite random right and he was having a conversation like okay where, where are you working now what are you doing like um this was someone who had you know graduated so he was in his senior year so this person had actually graduated and was working i was like okay what are you doing oh yeah i'm working at oracle and i'm earning like 800 he, he asked though you know how much is how much are you earning per year and he's like oh it's a hundred thousand you know dollars um annually and he was shocked <laughs> Like, how is, is it possible for someone to earn that kind of amount, like, yearly? I mean, his mother's earning was about $16,000 per year. And then he just needed it to be so irresponsible for me not to aim for, you know, this particular company and work in this particular company so I can at least earn that amount. And that's what he did. You know, he aimed for it and he actually got into Oracle as his first job right and he moved into silicon valley because that's where oracle was that's the bay area at around like 1999 thereabouts and so you could see that regardless of you know his environment you can imagine like growing up you know your father is the only like a small convenience store your mother isn't getting like she's a cashier so that kind of environment did not stop him from like pushing forward to like bigger bigger things and i think that's really really huge in terms of like um inspiring a lot of us um today so um while he was working at oracle and you know his his um, colleagues were like why are you working here like you have um you're a citizen of this nation right of america you should be aiming for bigger things like you should you should start a company and this was around the 1999 um 2000 there about that boom of like starting up a company like what we're seeing in africa right now almost everybody wants to start a company right now so that's why i'm doing startup stories with with cynthia so that you can learn from those who have gone ahead because some of sometimes or most times history repeats itself right so this was pretty much that same time for him in america where and so I was like, do you know what? You should start a company or, or do something in the startup space. Like, look at your skills. 
um, look at your your um, the fact that you have you know a citizenship, right? And so he got a job, right? He worked at this company that was trying to democratize um, VC funding. Um, he worked there for a while, but things began to fold up. And if you know about the dot com boom and bust, right? This was literally the what affected the the company. The company had to fold up. You know, these guys, this company had raised millions of dollars, right? And they had like. 40 employees at that time but Nasdaq collapsed and week after week um they had to lay off people and he just realized how you know having a startup or being in a startup world was quite stressful political it was painful and you know he was like you know what I need to go and take shelter somewhere I need to I need to recalibrate because he had gone through a lot I mean being in that time in that situation many companies had to fold many companies had to fold in that time I do hope, like, you know, Africa would be able to study history and make sure that the impact of, you know, this boom that we're experiencing, you know, when something similar to what happened in 2000 happens, we would not, you know, we will not be um, destroyed in a sense. Like, it won't, we won't feel so much of the impact. We would be ready for that because it, it's definitely going to come. And that's why I'm doing things like this, so that many of the startup founders can learn from people who have gone ahead of them and can be inspired in the right way to start a company for the right reasons, right? Not for the fame or the noise that you get from raising funds or just having branded shirts, right? So, because that's the truth, I'm just being honest, right? So literally, he went through all that and he had to take shelter somewhere, and so he went back to MIT. Um, no, sorry, he went back to Ma- uh, Massachusetts and had to get an MBA at um, Harvard, right? And this was really what he was thinking at that time. It was quite lonely staying in Silicon. When he say when I say lonely, like you know, there were not a lot of the ratio of male to female was <laughs> was really bad, right? So he needed you know a female company, and he wanted to like get into like a relationship and get married. And also, he was traumatized by the entire experience of this whole journey of this startup world. And he he said, you know, I don't have the fortitude to, like, manage things like this. And also, he wanted to broaden his horizon because he didn't want to be perceived as, like, the tech, tech guy or the quant guy. Remember, he went to MIT, studied computer science. So he wanted a balance, right? And that's why he went for an MBA, right, so that he could learn more and just increase his capacity in a sense and he went for a couple of classes and there was there was a particular class that that you know really you know excited him and that was the capital market class and he loved it so he approached the lecturer i was like you know what i really like this class you know and lecturer like yes yes you you know you 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 show so much interest and i i and i can see that and he's like and then he asked okay where can i work how can i use this you know he was like oh you can work at a hedge fund Right, and that was how he learned about hedge funds. Like he asked a couple of people, and you know his lecturer advised him to go into you know hedge funds, try and see if he can work there. And you know he asked a couple of friends like, okay, so what's the pay like? And they were like, what do you mean what's the pay like? <laughs> a hedge fund is is like it's like just making money. It's just a lot of money, <laughs> right? And so he was like, oh, perfect, <laughs> and he started applying, right? So in the next um 
um, I'm going to talk about what happened to the hedge fund and we'll be getting so close to when he actually thought about this kind of category. Don't worry, stick with me. All right. All right. So fast forward, he started applying. Right. So if you've been with me for now for the past few minutes, you've learned about like how he got to this point. So we're just going to be moving on from there. So he started applying right um for this hedge fund role something in the hedge fund um, um industry right and it wasn't really easy i mean he's he, he sent out a lot of applications and he got turned down a lot i mean hundreds of applications in a sense and he was rejected because um his resume didn't look like like a hedge fund resume right and also um it had this tech vibe and he was getting more of like product management jobs as compared to um hedge fund um jobs and roles and he got a lot of rejection and he really wanted to work in the new york right he wanted to work in new york because of you know this person that his wife right that he was um, wooing at that time <laughs> and so he got a lot of rejections um from hedge funds in new york but there was this person called dan wall who was in boston he was a 32 year old guy who was about to like start like a hedge fund imagine that this guy was running away from the startup world and he ended up coming back into the startup world and this was through a job right so um dan wall actually hired him um, because of the fact that you know he didn't really have so much like he didn't have a background in finance and he wanted someone who had um, a different experience and um, you know he just loved the fact that he was thinking outside the box right and so it was both of them so these guys were building a startup right so running away and you're back in there so it was basically both of them trying to set up a company trying to find like an office space right and but this actually helped him build like a lot of skills right because he worked closely on the job he built a lot of skills like he worked with management teams you know how a head fund um works so he was directly involved in majority of the decisions and that was fantastic fantastic for him um just around 2004 he got married this was around like a year after his business school and um so he got married was having fun and then his family like of his of his wife came over visiting for like 4th of july you know 4th of july is a very important um date in america and so you know he was taking his family members around you know getting like a tour of 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 the city um that they were in and one of the family members the mother was saying you know was talking to him about, about how you know her child was having problems with math right so he was like i really need you to help my child like i need to help you help your cousin who's like um nadia 12 year old um cousin right i need to help her like get through maths because it's she's having real troubles with it and you know she took like a, a placement test and there was a lot of unit conversions and she didn't feel like she could do it so she begged Sao Khan to like, I mean, you have experience in computer science, you're a guru, like, <laughs> please help my child. And that was it, right? And he said, okay, sure. <laughs> so he offered to like tutor her remotely because, they, you know, they had to travel back because, you know, they came over 
so she had to travel back to new orleans and the plan was that you know um he would tutor remotely now now the word remotely is very common and doing things remotely doing setting up courses or teachings or tutoring remotely is common but around 2004 it wasn't common like remote working wasn't even an idea (laughs) maybe it was maybe it was talked about like in small community but it wasn't as pronounced as it is right now i mean think about what you were doing in 2004 that was literally what was happening and so the plan was that you know he will get on like a call and they would use yahoo yahoo instant messaging app i don't know if any of you use that so yahoo instant messaging app and in that messaging app there's a part that that they have like this thing called like yahoo doodle so like you would you know scribble things and then it will show up like on the screen and so using a mouse for something like that's going to be really really hard so he bought a you know he bought a a pen tablet that was about sixty dollars right and that was super useful right for both of them so he bought about sixty dollars pen tablet for him and for her right and so every day for about 30 minutes he would jump on a call he would be using the yahoo inside messaging doodle platform to like scribble things and then you know there'll be a speaker phone he'll be speaking through it and he spent like the first half like the first few weeks like helping her like deprogram her self-esteem because he realized it was more of a self-esteem issue and then you know after like a few weeks she caught up right and then he started teaching on the course itself and he you know stood up and went back to school this girl should take a placement test and she performed excellently in that placement test and that was how she was upgraded from a remedial class to like an advanced class in a matter of months now this was an incredible um um, moment for him because he was amazed at how you know he mentored this person he tutored this um cousin and now she's performing excellently in maths like the transformation was in was incredible for him and then he said you know what (laughs) this is interesting and as i was dealing with like um ideas right most times it's it's always those small conversations those seemingly small meetings or seemingly small i you know contributions that you make in like one or two things and you don't know how those little things can actually give birth to a startup so don't despise the little beginnings like really don't despise it because we're going to see how this experience of just helping a 12-year-old cousin, you know, brought him to where he is today. All right, stick with me. All right, so we've seen how this small interaction gave birth to an impactful experience on this 12-year-old child. And word, you know, started spreading that, oh, free tutoring is going on here (laughs) right so all of his cousins and family members from all over the country were reaching out to him and around 2006 on a given day he would mentor about or tutor about five to 15 cousins you know family friends and you know on the speaker phone they would all join in he would answer the questions that he had he would teach them and he just had a unique way of teaching that really caught on so these cousins enjoyed the moment right and all this was possible actually because like if you really think about it all this was possible because of his pleasant working environment right so 
Dan, remember Dan, his boss? He was still working at the hedge fund, don't forget. So he would work in the morning and then later in the day he would do this with his cousins, right? And it was actually because Dan gave him a wonderful advice. And the advice was, you know, put a balance to your life, you know. Um, and I think it's a very important lesson. So what Dan said was that, you know, so the idea that Salkan had when he was coming into the hedge fund business was that, you know, when you think about hedge funds, like you're working day and night, you know, you have nothing else that you're doing. You're researching at home, you're researching at work, you're doing at work, you're doing at home. And Dan was like, no, 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 no. In my own world or in my own startup, everybody has a balanced life. Get involved in other things. Do other things. And this advice or this environment that Dan actually created helped him or give him the opportunity to tutor kids because he if Dan didn't do that, he wouldn't have had the time. And I think it's a very important lesson for startup founders. You're not just a startup founder. You're there to inspire your employees. You're, you're there to inspire people. So, like, be that individual that is, that is able to help other people, like, figure out who they are in life. Because if, literally, it was Dan that gave Salkan the opportunity for him to start Khan Academy that is currently impacting millions of people. You know, many times you get your employees and you want to work them out till they die. As you're trying to make sure that we get work done, because there are times when, you know, there's very few people to get some things done. Right, just make sure that you're always there to inspire them to want to build businesses because out of your business can come incredible businesses and trust me that will have such a very you know meaningful and and you know incredible impact on people so startup founders please please let's make the world a better place all right so around 2005 right um he started thinking of taking this to the next level in a sense so what happened was that now let's let's go back a bit so when he was in college right you know remember he studied computer science he you know developed a couple of softwares in the past and he was very interested in seeing how softwares can actually play a role in improving human potential and so he was um, he embarked on projects. He got jobs back in college that was centered around education, like tech and education. So he didn't just bump into this. This is something that has, has been of interest, like even while he was in college. Now, this is a very important, very important, right? It's a very important thing to note. So at that time, he worked with Spanish professors to like help, um, you know, people learn how to speak Spanish. So he created a software for that. He also did a software on that could help kids with um, attention deficit like learn maths um, he created this software called math planet so back in school when he was in college he actually engaged in projects like this now take note of the things you do trust me take note of your interest is very important anyways so while he was working with cousin with his cousins around you know 2005 thereabouts he he was like you know I, I think I need to build a software <laughs> and this was because it was really hard for him to get math problems, right, online. So, like, he would search online, it was really hard for him to get math problems that could, like, help his his um, cousins, right, after he's done, like, teaching. And it was also hard for him to, like, on get feedback, you know, and things like that, you know, monitor their progress. And he was like, you know what, I'm just going to create a software. Remember, he's good at creating softwares. So, he created a software as a hobby, right, and this software was supposed to help 
generate math problems generate feedback give hints and solutions it was supposed to be this interesting software that could be in addition to the tutoring classes that he was giving his cousins right <laughs> okay and this was literally the first Khan academy because he he built the software and he, he put it online uh, as a as a as a website so this was the first Khan academy you can imagine how there's a way i could show you the pictures you can go online and check for it it was very very crude <laughs> but he, he played the role right he played the role so um another thing about him that he didn't really want it to be called like a startup so when anybody be like oh you know well done on your startup like no 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 this is not a startup project this is a family project <laughs> he was trying to protect you know his heart you remember you remember the, his past experience so um a friend actually spoke to him about something while he was at a family dinner and then his friend asked the question you know what's your plan for scaling this right what's your plan for scaling? i think it's a very important question for any startup founder out there i mean in as much as you're doing something and it's creating an impact and you're able to reach like a hundred people two hundred people fifty people maybe even five people there's one question you should always have at the back of your mind is how can I multiply my effort? How can I scale this? How can I turn this impact and just multiply that over and over to be able to reach more people? So more impact, very little effort. How can I automate things? So pretty much what his friend was asking was, what's your plan for scaling this? Like you keep teaching these guys. And it was like, and, and then his friend was like, why don't you just create YouTube videos, right? Create videos and upload it on YouTube. So that people can actually watch or your your cousins can actually watch. And he was like, no, 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 no. YouTube videos, YouTube videos is for like cats. Because at that time, YouTube video wasn't, you know, now we use YouTube video to learn a lot of things. But then that was not the case. And so he he had this bias and he didn't didn't really buy into the idea. He wasn't really buying into the idea until one evening while he was teaching um, his cousin and he had, he was teaching how to do like common multiple like for like the eighth time to like another cousin and he was like this is stressful <laughs> right i've been i've been teaching this particular topic over and over again and then he said okay let's consider this youtube thing and so around 2006 he started making youtube videos and he what he did was that he downloaded screen capture software right there was no video camera it was just audio so he would still scribble it on his pen tablet remember his pen tablet so this digital capture um, software would capture like the screen and then there will be audio and then he would create it and then he would upload it on youtube and it was really for his cousins and he and then he would tell his cousin okay i've created the video for this watch it at your own time and he asked them, so what do you think about this new method? And they were like, oh, we prefer this compared to you teaching us in person, right? And it was simply because of the fact that um, they could watch the video over and over again. They didn't have to, like, you know, feel, you know, bad in a sense for asking a question or trying to go over, like, a topic, right? They could rewatch the video. So it was really convenient for them and they loved it. And, you know, that's the most amazing thing about building businesses, right? Most times, it's just the opinion of another person that can lead you to a better idea, right? So, like, be open to receiving, like, feedback. I mean, we've had other cases of where feedback, some feedback, you know, 
certain like ideas did not did not really pan out well but i mean who knows you you never really know right so um that's like super important i think also another lesson from this is like be thinking of how you can scale your process to be bigger to be faster to be easier for your customers to be easier for you because now you're able to reach five people what's your plan for reaching two million people (laughs) right how can you create a system that allows you to reach two million people without getting exhausted right how can i multiply my effort to reach more me more people with very little effort and that was what happened this gave birth to a whole lot of things and truly I can't wait to start sharing with you like many of the incredible things that happened to this guy and how he got to where he was. Don't forget, the company is an NGO, right? So we're going to talk about a lot of mind-blowing events in his life after now. But we'll stick to this one. This is the part one, okay? So look out for the next episode so that you can enjoy this amazing story of Sal Khan. So, if you've listened to this point, it means that you've learned a lot so far. And I'm really, really glad that you stayed to this point. And look out for the next episode. Remember, Startup Stories is about sharing with you, like, the really, really intricate stories of startup founders. So that we can be inspired to do the right things and generate, like, get a lot of lessons from this. Alright, thank you so much for being with me to this point. My name is Cynthia Ichisom, and this is Startup Stories with Cynthia.